Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com, or you can contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, thank you for your goodness this morning. We pray that your word would go forth to encourage your people. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. A letter from Rachel to her sister Leah. Dear Leah, it humbles me now to think of how I acted when we were younger. I was desperate and childless, and children are the blessing of God and the hope of our inheritance. I pleaded with Jacob, our husband, for a child. We believed that mandrakes would make us fertile and tried to use them as bargaining tools to spend the night with Jacob. You had many sons, among them Levi and Judah. I had only Joseph and the youngest, Benjamin. So much jealousy and blame shifting, but you know we're in good company. Our brother-in-law Esau, knew all about that. I guess it's fear. Maybe there's not enough blessing from God, or maybe there won't be enough love from Jacob. It's funny, you know, when we fled from my father in the middle of the night, this was obviously Jacob's idea. I, I don't know why, but I, I took some of my father's teraphim, his household idols, and I hid them underneath me when I was on my camel. I never told you that, but that's why our father Laban came after us and ransacked your tent and mine. Maybe it's because I didn't want him to use the idols to find us, or maybe because I was concerned about the property inheritance that they represented, or maybe I relied on them to a certain degree, which is wrong, I know that. But desperation and fear gave way once again to deception and blame shifting. I was in a tough situation and I didn't handle it well. And I'm sorry. Little did I know how my actions would affect the lives of our children and our descendants. When I left this world, Benjamin, my son, entered into it. And I'm so thankful for my elder son, Joseph, for his commitment to forgive. I'm cavelling, I know, but he was in a place of prominence. He was the prime minister of Egypt and Instead of revenge, he brought salvation from the famine, and he forgave his brothers. It was through my own son, Joseph, that I learned another path than the one I unfortunately chose with you, Leah. There were glimpses of this Joseph sort of choice throughout the story. Your son, Moses, was a Levite, son of Levi, and this Moses, son of Levi, saved all the sons of Israel, kind of like Joseph did for Levi. And when God told him he wouldn't enter the promise of Abraham, our grandfather, to inherit the land, Moses was heartbroken. But he trained up and poured into my son, Joshua, son of Ephraim, son of Joseph, son of mine. 
Moses, your son, took the humble way, the Joseph way, because he knew the people needed a leader in the land once he came to rest with his fathers. He poured into his mentee to, to Joshua. But our sons frequently went the other way too, making the same mistakes I made. It grieved me so when the sons of Benjamin, with the son of Levi in the town square, yeah, I, I can't even really talk about it, but in Judges 19 and Judges 20, it's, it's written about. And it led to the sons of Benjamin being destroyed by the hand of Hashem and by their brothers. Those were dark times when everyone did whatever they wanted to, what seemed good in their own eyes, and there was no king. I guess when Hashem is not our king, it leads to hatred of our brothers and sisters. Everyone's just trying to rule over and control everyone else. Morality and justice seem to go along with humility and respect for the kingship of God, don't they? And then we finally had a king, the mighty and impetuous King Saul, son of Benjamin, son of mine, who went mad with fear and power and jealousy. He really took a play out of my notebook, I guess. Your son was David, son of Judah, son of Leah. And they sang songs about him, both of them actually. Saul, the son of Rachel, has slain his thousands, but David, the son of Leah, the humble shepherd boy, has slain his tens of thousands. David showed his character when he played music on the harp to soothe my son, Saul even when Saul was throwing spears at him. What madness. They even played out a bit of our story. David was promised the elder daughter of Saul, but then was given the younger sister instead, Michal. She even helped him escape from her father, Saul's irrational anger by some trickery. In David's bed, she placed a decoy made out of, drum roll please, a household idol one of the teraphim. David, her husband, escaped out the back door. A younger sister using household idols and trickery to protect the man she loves from her father. I'm telling you, I couldn't have been more proud. But as with my firstborn, Joseph, who turned things around, it was Saul's firstborn, Jonathan, who did the same. Remember, it was Jonathan, son of Saul, who was next in line to be king, not David. And now we come to this week's Haftarah portion where the story plays out. And uh, perhaps uh, someone will help me uh, act this out uh, so we can get a feel for what happened in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 20. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah, came before Jonathan and said, what have I done? What is my crime? What is my sin against your father that he should be seeking my life? And Jonathan. Never, never, he said to him, you will not die. Behold, my father does nothing great or small without disclosing it to me. So why should my father hide this matter from me? It cannot be. Then David swore again, saying, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. So he must have thought, Let's not let Jonathan know about this, else he will be grieved. But truly, as Adonai lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said, 
Whatever you say, I will do for you. So David said to Jonathan, Look, tomorrow is the new moon, when I am supposed to sit down with the king to eat. Instead, let me go hide myself in the countryside until the third evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked my permission to run to Bethlehem, his town, for that is the annual sacrifice there for the whole family. If he says thus, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he becomes very angry, then know that he is determined to harm me. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of Adonai with you. But if there is any iniquity in me, then kill me yourself. Why should you bring me to your father? Far be it from you, for if I know for sure that my father is determined evil to come on you, then wouldn't I tell you about it? Then David asked Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? And Jonathan said, Come, let us go out to the field. So they both went out to the field, and then Jonathan said, By Adonai, God of Israel, I will sound out my father about this time tomorrow or the day after. Look, if it is good toward David, wouldn't I then send word to you and disclose it to you? May Adonai do so to Jonathan. And even worse, should my father intend to do you evil if I don't disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in shalom. So may Adonai be with you as he has been with my father. Now, if I am still alive, wouldn't you show me the loyal love of Adonai so I wouldn't die? Yet also, don't cut off your loyal love from my household ever, not even when Adonai cuts off all of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So, so Jonathan, Jonathan with the house of David. So may Adonai requite David's enemies. Jonathan made David swear again because of the love he had for him, for he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow is the new moon. You, shall, you will be missed because your seat will be empty. On the third day, you must go down quickly and come to the place where you hid as you did on that day and remain close to the stone Ezeel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I were shooting at a target. Now look, I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I specifically say to the lad, see the arrows are on the side of you, get them. Then come, for it is safe for you and no danger, as Adonai lives. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go your way, for Adonai has released you. But as for that matter, which I and you have spoken about, behold, Adonai is between me and you forever. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat a meal. So the king sat on his seat as usual, the seat by the wall. Jonathan stood up and Admer, Abner sat down by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul said nothing that day, for he thought it must be an accident. He must be ceremonial unclean. Yes, that's it. He's unclean. Yet it came to pass on the day following the new moon, the second day, that David's place was still empty. So Saul asked his son Jonathan, why didn't Jesse's son come to the meal yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul. David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. As he said, please let me go, for we are going to have a family feast in the town. 
and my brother has commanded me. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me go, please, to see my brothers. That's why he hasn't come to the king's table. Then Saul's rage blazed against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, don't I know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingship will be secure. That's true in a way, isn't it? For as long as the son of Jesse, David, lives, the kingdom of Saul is not secure. It's like only one kingdom can stand. Either the kingdom of Saul, made of fear and anger and jealousy, or the kingdom of David, which Jonathan puts ahead of his own rights to the throne because of his covenantal love. Jonathan, son of Rachel, gave up his inheritance and his power because of his love for David, son of Leah. I could speak more of our sons and daughters, of the split between northern Israel and southern Judah. I could speak of my daughter, Esther the Benjaminite, who saved the Yehudim, translated as Jews most of the time, but literally meaning Judeans, the sons of Judah. I could speak of the Levites and priests, the sons of Benjamin and Judah, united under the prince in Ezekiel's temple vision. But I just want to mention two more of your sons. One is another John, son of Levi, who when he saw a son of Judah said, I must become less so that he may become greater. Of course, both Judah and Levi are your sons, but I thought it was a nice sentiment. This son of Judah, he was describing, son of yours, Leah, there was no one like him, and there will never be another. He followed the way of Joseph and Moses in humility and putting his brothers before himself. My son, the apostle Paul, son of Benjamin, son of Rachel, said this about your son. For to me, to live is Messiah and to die is gain. In other words, everything that my son Paul has, his whole life, belongs to the Messiah, the son of Judah. It's not about Paul's kingdom, but about the son of David's kingdom. Because the son of David, the son of Judah, put our needs before his own. He thought of our faces, our lives, and said that this was more important than his life. For us to have healing and joy and eternal life was more important to him than his own. I hope that our children will learn from his example. I have learned so much from him. Our children must humble themselves and seek to bless and rescue their brother. I think my son Paul said it best. Do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility consider others as more important than yourselves, looking out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who, though existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal to God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, becoming the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue profess that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Your sister always, Rachel. Let's pray. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for these narratives in your word that um, help us to lean toward humility, lean toward preferring others to ourselves, especially for those of us who are married, um, for those of us who are husbands and wives, help us to put our spouse's needs ahead of ours, Lord, um, to truly reflect um, your love and um, help us uh, to be uh, examples to follow after this son of Judah, uh, this son of David, this son of Leah, Yeshua the Messiah, to be um, examples of what your love means and to, um, to live out this, this narrative and to avoid the other narrative of fear and jealousy so that we may be uh, children of, of Abraham and uh, children of you, O Lord. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.